I want to speak this morning on uh, the topic, and probably this will maybe be the last Sunday that we officially talk about this, on the Holy Spirit. If that's ever possible to ever actually wrap up a subject on the Holy Spirit, I don't know that that is. In fact, I'll tell you right now, it's not possible. But we're going to talk today about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Why does God give gifts, give gifts to his children? First of all, do you believe he does? Do you believe he does? Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, talking to us people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So we can answer the question, why does God give us gifts, by, answer, by answering the question to ourselves, why do we give our children gifts? Why? Because we want what's best for them. We want to love them and we want to give them things that would make their life better. So our Heavenly Father is no different than that. Our Heavenly Father loves us, unconditionally loves us, and He wants only the best for His children, and therefore He provides gifts for us to help build us up and edify us and to make us better and to give us the ability to work through and live through a broken world because we live in a broken world, don't we? And there's a lot of bad things that happen in this world, but the Lord gives us good gifts. By only us really understanding and seeing how broken and dark the world is, do we really see how good God is. God is good in the midst of it all. But because our human talents and our gifts aren't enough, we're not sufficient to do God's work or to change the world on our own. He gives us, through the Holy Spirit, He provides us gifts that allow us to meet the many needs and opportunities of those around us. And we are in a sin-dominated world, no question about it. No question about it. Sin dominates the world that we're in. And the gifts that are given to us manifest themselves in a variety of different ways through a variety of different people. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, I don't want you to be afraid of these gifts. We don't go into a trance. You don't go into some catonic state and all of a sudden just start operating in these gifts. No, it's actually just the opposite of that. The only way you truly can operate in a gift is to be fully aware of who you are and fully aware of, where who, of who Christ is and how much he dominates you as a sinful person. Amen? Through our forgiveness, through our, the fact that we're forgiven, that we've talked about already today and how um, amazing it is that this God forgives us. And as we are willing vessels... We yield our body and our mind to the Holy Spirit and to His Lordship. And as we do that, then we permit the Holy Spirit to work. It's like we said at the very beginning of the service this morning. Are we really willing, bless you, are we really willing to allow the Holy Spirit to change our plans? Are we really willing to allow the Holy Spirit to invade us and to say, I want you to do something different today than you thought you were going to do? And it's only when we allow ourselves to do that are we really allowing the, the gifts that God wants to give us to operate. We must be totally submissive to Him, totally surrendered to Him and say, Holy Spirit, it's all about you. It's not about me. This is not to glorify me. This is to glorify you and to build your kingdom. And when I can yield myself to that, when I can surrender myself to that, then the Lord sees me as a qualified person to operate in the gifts that He wants to give His people. If there's any other agenda, if the agenda is to build me up or to build a church up or to do anything that wouldn't be about him, 
then we're, we've disqualified ourselves actually from being a, an operator in the gifts of God. We have to be totally submissive to him. Not perfect, because we're never going to be perfect. Submissive, forgiven, submissive. The Bible gives us several lists of gifts, and I want to look at just a couple of them today. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8, gives us one list. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, gives us a, a, a list of nine gifts that we're going to talk in more detail about. But it says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between gifts. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the working of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. The Lord has got a lot of good stuff for us. <laughs> Every one of these gifts build up the church. Every one of these gifts build up people as we glorify Christ. God gives each gift to different people differently. So I don't want anyone to think that um, I'm not putting any pressure on any of us to think that we have to operate in all nine gifts. You may, but you don't have to because the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he sees them. And he, and he does it to equip his people for service that, that the body of Christ may be built up. He doesn't do any of this so the apostle or the prophet or the person that's using the gift to be built up. It's all about Jesus. It's all about building up him. It's all about building up the, the church. And so we must become less as Christ becomes more. In fact, John the Baptist said it the best in John chapter 3, verse 27 through 30. John said, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. This is, can you just hear John the Baptist uh, being uh, so joyful about the fact that it's, he's not the Christ. He just comes, he's just the one preceding him. He's the, he's the friend of the bridegroom. He said, that joy is mine and it is now complete. He, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. That is the heart of a person that operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is that we become less, not in a false humility, not in a way that we say it to really think that we're, you know, any way getting boosted by anyone else. No, we truly, truly have to come to a humbling position of our life to say, Christ, it's about you, and I must become less so that you become more, and you can become all there is. And when God sees that in a person, the gifts are given. The gifts are given. The Holy Spirit is the giver of all the gifts. 
He's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that gives all the gifts. And he also is the distributor of all those gifts to those that are able and willing to use them as he determines them to be moved. Now, everything the Bible says truly is talking about these gifts are still for today. The gifts did not go out a few years after Jesus or after the Bible was completed. The gifts did not extinguish themselves. The gifts are still relevant today. In 1 Corinthians, it talks to us about how the body, how, how God or Jesus calls the body, or Paul actually as a writer, describes the body as made up of multiple parts, yet one body. And if it was designed then, if they recognized the body then to be of many parts, but all parts form one body, so it is with Christ, he says, for we're all baptized into the same spirit. Because we are not the same part of the big body, we have different gifts that must be used. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit when he gives gifts, recognizing it's the same spirit, the same body of Christ, but each one has a different gift. Each one has a different purpose. And when you operate that way, and if everybody operated in that gift that they were given, the body would be healthy. And when we don't operate in the gifts that we're given, then the body's not healthy. So that's why we need to encourage each other to operate in the gift that God has. And you may think, oh, it's not an important one. Well, it's not up to you to determine that. Every gift is important. Every part of the body is important. Ask the person that broke a little toe. And they'll tell you that that little toe is pretty important to them. Right? It may not be the biggest part of the body, but when that little toe hurts, you don't walk very well. Every part of the body is important. And as Christ determined that so many thousands of years ago, it's still relevant today. The gifts of the Spirit are just as important today as they were back in the early church when they were being talked about, when, it was being, when they were being written about, when they were first poured out on the church. They're still important today. The, the gifts of the Spirit are still being poured out on the people. Even so, as we get closer to the end of time, even so, as we get closer to Christ returning, even so, when the darkness of the world gets darker and gloomier, the gifts get needed even more. They're more required because we need to have the light of Christ even more so. So you may look at this and say, Mike, you're talking about things that aren't really relevant if you believe the world's coming to an end, which I believe it is, but these things are very important that we must, we must, we must embrace these. We must learn about them. We must understand them so we can operate in them and that we can be fully functioning believers so that the body of Christ is edified and built up. Because as you walk into your world, no matter where you go, you're going to run across people that need you to be full of the Spirit. They're depending upon you to be Jesus to them because you may be the only Jesus they see. They may be the only um, example of a godly person, maybe you that particular day in their life. And you need to be operating that way. You need to be full of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of God at that moment in time so you can be to that person who you need to be, who Christ is depending upon you to be. Because he's asking us to do some things. So we want to talk about the nine gifts that are talked about in, in, uh, in that passage in 1 Corinthians. They're divided into three groups. Wisdom and knowledge are useful in teaching and preaching God's Word. Faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, and distinguishing between spirits are useful in ministering to the church and to the world. And then different kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues are useful in worship. So let's talk, let's just take and break each one of these down a little bit here. Now, this is not going to be an in-depth study because we cannot do an in-depth study in 20 minutes. 
but we're going to just give a highlight, an overview of them. I encourage you to dig into these more. I encourage you to be open to the Lord, to say, if, if you're wanting me to operate in any one of these gifts, I give you the authority to do so. I turn my life over to you. I seek you, the giver of all the gifts, so that you then have access to my life. I encourage us to look at them this way. Do not be afraid of these gifts. Do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated by these gifts. First of all, the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is a revelation of divine counsel. It gives supernatural insight into some particular need or problem and brings God's practical application of the solution. It does not come through our meditation, does not come through my own preparation, but it comes directly from the Holy Spirit. There are things that just come against me that I am not prepared for. I don't have the ability to study it at the moment. I don't have the um, mental capacity to even do that. So the Holy Spirit will drop a message of wisdom in my heart for the particular situation. Luke chapter 21, verses 13 through 15 talks a little bit about it, and and he says, And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So when we are operating, when we're living as a spirit-filled believer, and we come into a situation we don't know how to handle, what do we do? You listen. You listen to that voice of wisdom. You listen. You ask for the gift. God, give me wisdom. Give me that that supernatural ability. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit dispenses a message of wisdom that's not limited to my mental capacity. He gives us an insight into some areas that I don't have for any other, I, I wouldn't have any other way for a particular need. Now, this gift does not necessarily raise me to a new level of wisdom from there on out. (laughs) <laughs> in other words, if the gift of wisdom operates now, it may or may not operate the next time. So I have to be continuously um, seeking the Lord on this. It doesn't um, prevent me from, fa- from making future mistakes, just so you know that. that all the gifts here do not make you superman or superwoman that are incapable of making a mistake thereafter. That's why we have to be in tune with the Spirit at all times. That's why we need to be repentant at all times. That's why we need to be sensitive to the Spirit. But God gives us access to his never-ending wisdom through the gift of wisdom for the particular situation we're in. And even Paul, in his well-educated life, knew that when he went to different people in different cases, that it wasn't him speaking. It wasn't Paul's ideas. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read it in the first five verses. And Paul says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Amen. That is what we need to be about, folks. That's exactly the, our, our, that's the way our attitude should be. We shouldn't be puffed up in our self-knowledge. We should come into every situation asking the Holy Spirit to give me the wisdom for that particular situation. That doesn't mean you don't study. That doesn't mean you don't prepare. That doesn't mean that you don't diligently work hard at everything you do. But recognize that the source of all that is Christ. 
And that we need to recognize that whenever we lack wisdom in areas, we are to ask him and he will give us wisdom. Amen? The gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge. How does it differ from wisdom? Well, the gift of knowledge gives design, divine insight into the truth of the gospel and its application to Christian living. It gives us truth of the gospel. It's more of a knowledge versus a wisdom. Wisdom is kind of an instruction on how to handle a particular situation where knowledge is actually more on a, a biblical topic or a topical discussion. It goes beyond our own study of the word. It is, it is a supernatural knowledge that we're responsible to grow into. It is something that is information that's given to me that I wouldn't have otherwise known. Maybe about a situation, maybe about a person, maybe about a biblical truth. It's a gift of knowledge about something. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The gift of knowledge helps us understand the Bible, helps us understand the gift that God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. You know, before you were saved or seeking the Lord, if you ever read the Bible, it probably didn't make a lot of sense, did it? How many people have said, the Bible doesn't make any sense to me? Well, it doesn't make sense because you're not of the Spirit. But when you're in the Spirit, the Spirit brings the knowledge. The Spirit brings the words to bear so that all of a sudden what's written in the Word in, this, in this, these black and red letters, all of a sudden they pop out and they, they, they have life to them. And all of a sudden they mean something to me. That's because the knowledge of the Spirit of the Word is working in me in my life. And I'm getting a connection here. The gift of knowledge can also be given in particular situations. Now, we all know the story, and I'm not going to take the time to read it, but if you want to go back and read Acts chapter 5, it'll talk to you about the story of Ananias and Sapphira when they came in uh, to give an offering to the church. And Peter was given a gift of knowledge or a word of knowledge here because Ananias and Sapphira came in and Peter was given some knowledge that he didn't know otherwise because they were not being truthful in their offering. In other words, they sold a piece of property for X dollars. They kept some of the X dollars back, but they didn't tell the church that. They brought in another sum of money and said, that's the money amount of money we got for the property. And Peter had a word of knowledge, and he questioned both of them independently. And they both stuck with their story, and the consequences was God took immediate judgment at that time, and, and by the end of that day, both of them were dead. Now, if they would have said, we sold the property for $1,000, and we kept $200 for ourselves, and we brought $800 to the church, I think Peter would have been fine with that. But when they said, we sold the property for $1,000, and they kept 800 or they kept 200 and brought 800 and said they sold it for 800 you see the lie? Okay. The word of knowledge. Peter wouldn't have any other way to know that. So thank the Lord he doesn't deal with us today in immediate judgment. But you don't think that that brought some fear? You don't think that that brought some importance of truth to the early church? That it's important that we be truthful? So the word of knowledge helped the church get established in a sense of truth and honesty and integrity. 
Thank the Lord for that. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. This is a gift of faith that is over and above the faith that brings salvation to a person. Every person, all Christians, have been given a saving faith. As we read about in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But the gift of faith is a miraculous faith that is over and above the gift of faith that brings salvation. This is the faith that's required to meet unusual opportunities, as did all, as did all the, her- the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the faith chapter. And yes, you may say that's Old Testament, and it is, but still faith was required. And they had an extra measure of faith. In the Bible, faith is often accompanied by great works of faith. And, and it is this gift of action that we see Peter when he, he and John were going to the temple and there they saw a beggar. If you remember that story, that's in Acts chapter 3. Uh, let me read that for you. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He gave them the gift of faith. He gave them the gift of faith so that the man could be healed. So it is an extra measure of faith that is above and beyond salvation. And there are times when you have, a, you have an extra measure of faith that you just know God's going to do something. And when you have that, do it. Step out in it. Be brave in it. Be bold in it. Take the, wor- take the Lord up on his word and share it and do it. Talk to someone at Walmart, right? Talk to somebody that's around. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of it. When the gift of faith comes, walk out in it. Step out in it. And then see what God does. Amen. And then there's gifts of healing. Now, it's interesting to note that both gifts and healings are plural here. It's not a gift of healing. It's gifts of healings. And it's plural for a reason, meaning that there are different gifts to meet all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. All kinds. It's not a one-size-fits-all. There's different gifts for different types of healings required. And it's what's interesting about this is that the Spirit does not just give a reservoir of healing to a particular person so that that particular person has the gift of healing at all times. I know the healing is probably one of the hardest things for us to understand. Why does God heal at some times and why doesn't he heal at other times? Does anybody have the answer? If you do, I'll give you a microphone so you can explain it to all of us. Other than the fact that God is sovereign, God would have all of us healed. And indeed, we are healed in our spiritual person if we choose to be. That's the most important healing we could all have is what's happening inside the man. Because what's going to happen on the physical man is all going to die anyways, right? Even if I'm healed multiple times in my life, I'm still going to die. But my spirit man's going to live on, whether to be living in hell or heaven or hell. I want my spirit man to be healed. Amen? And then with that comes an eternal healing of the physical after that. So in a, in, we are going to be all healed. But why today? Why not today? Well, it does happen. Miracles do happen. God does heal. I am a, I'm a testimony to it myself, and probably so are every one of you here, that God does heal. But if the gift of healing 
is not for the one who ministers the gift, but rather it's for the sick person or is the one who needs to receive the gift. Healings and the gift of faith go hand in hand. Just as Peter healed the lame man in the passage a minute ago, Peter gave them he, Peter gave the lame man the person the gift of healing. He gave that lame person the gift of healing that he had for that man with the amount of faith needed to make that man well. They come hand in hand most of the time. And then it all there it's all there to glorify Christ. All there must give glory to Christ. The next verse in chapter three, or chapter three, verse eleven, it talks about Peter and John not accepting the credit for the healing. It's very important that we recognize that the healing, the credit, must be given to the Lord. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, "Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we made this man walk?" It's not about us, is it? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. So the gift is given to glorify God. And it's given at various times for people so that God can be revealed even to those that aren't saved. Isn't that amazing? How many times do we see healings to people that aren't saved? And yet the person that's walking for God all of his life maybe isn't healed. Well, Maybe that gift of healing to that person that isn't saved gets their attention. Say, whoa, there's something to this God thing. And all of a sudden, it draws them to Christ. And now their spiritual man can be healed because their physical man was healed. God's got a plan on this. Remember that God's ultimate concern is for the spiritual well-being of those being healed, the spiritual well-being of those healed more than the physical. Doesn't mean God's not concerned about your physical body, but he's more concerned about your spiritual body. He's more concerned about your spiritual man. And I thank the Lord for that. Remember that God's plan, he's sovereign, and God's plans always end up for the best of every person. So that if you've prayed for healing and haven't been healed, understand that God's got a plan yet. God's going to work it out for you yet. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, you keep seeking God, you keep asking God, you keep your faith in God, you keep trusting in Him. He's got something else He wants to work out in you in the process of your healing. And like Paul, you may have a, uh, you may have a, a messenger in the flesh that may torment you for a long time, but that doesn't mean you give up. Paul didn't give up. You don't throw in a towel on healing. You just keep asking, you keep believing, you keep trusting, and let God be God. Amen? Let God be God. Miraculous powers, the spiritual gift of miracles that's described in Scripture is much like the gift of healing. And the Greek phrase that is given transfers into the same plurality of words and it's workings of powers. Like gifts of healings, miraculous powers are workings of powers and it means that they're diverse and, and it means that there's multiple kinds of, par of, of miracles for different situations. And not one person possesses all of them all the time. We walk in this gift and these gifts. And thus the, but the gifts are always subjective to the divine will of God. His purposes are not necessarily my purposes, are they? I wish I could control God. No, I don't. I take that back. I don't wish I could control God because if I could control God, this world would really be a mess. Right? I want God to be God. And I want to learn how I can accept what God declares as a right time for a miracle and not a right time for a miracle. Because God is in the miracle business. Amen? 
How many have experienced the miracle of God's working? How many have... Yes, we have. But that doesn't mean that it comes all the time when I want it to come all the time. So therefore, I just have to accept the fact that, God, you're sovereign, I trust you, and the purpose of your miracle is to give you glory at the right time. It's not to bring glory to me. It's not to show people how how spiritual I am. It's not to show people how good I am because I can do nonsense. If that's what your attitude is, don't ever expect a miracle to flow through you because God will not work through you that way. The devil might. The devil might give you some false miracles. Who knows what the devil will do to, to take attention from Christ and put it on you, but God will never work through you if your heart isn't all about Christ. Amen. Gift of prophecy. The term pr- prophecy means to speak for God. To speak for God. Now, this is an important gift and not one to be taken lightly. The gift has a threefold purpose, all to build up the church. 1 Corinthians tells us this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. We are to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. That's the threefold purpose of prophecy. There were those in the New Testament that were called prophets. But that doesn't mean that not everyone that is sensitive and open to the Lord can be used in a word of prophecy. The one thing that I like about the prophecy gift is that quite often you are it and you don't even know it. Quite often you'll come up to someone and you'll speak to someone and you have no idea what you're saying. You don't even think you're given a prophecy. You're just talking to them. And what the Holy Spirit gives you, all of a sudden, that person says, man, I needed to hear that. I needed to be strengthened. I needed to be comforted. I needed to to have that word of encouragement. And you know, when that person walks away and they don't even know they did it, amen. That is the best kind of a prophecy you have. Because if somebody walks up and says, thus saith the Lord, he told me to tell you this, I get very skeptical. I'll tell you right now, I do. I don't mean to be skeptical. That's just my human nature. Here's, here's one test that I have for it. If someone walks up to me and says, the Lord told me to tell you, I've had people say that, and they have been right and they have been wrong. But if it's the first time I've ever heard it, then I'm very cautious about it. If somebody said, the Lord told me, and I'll just make this up, if the Lord told me for you to give $100 in the offering... See, if, you've already, if you already have that inspiration within you, if you already had that in your heart to say, I need to give in the offering today, I need to give. Uh, you know, if, there, if there's already that intensity, if there's already that intentional purpose, and somebody walks up to you and says that, well, then take that as confirmation and give the $100. But if that's the first time you've heard it, I would back off a little bit and just wait for another confirmation. <laughs> because I, don't, I think the Lord will speak to you first. And then the word of prophecy will be as a confirming word to you more than he's going to talk to you through somebody else. Not that he can't do that, but why wouldn't he talk to you first? If you are a spiritual person, why doesn't he put it in your heart or your mind first and then somebody else would come along and confirm it? I think prophecy is much more confirming than telling. Make sense? I think it's a safer way to look at it. I don't want to get weird on these gifts because we could get weird on it and we could say, well, we're a prophet and we're this and we're that. And yeah, but you know, I just think we need to be careful. 
how we handle this. Because if a prophet says that we're, by definition, speaking for God, understand how much damage you could do if you're speaking untruths for God. How, how, how many people could you confuse that way? So be very careful with this gift. That's why, I, that's why I think it's the most authentic and the most pure when you don't even know you're doing it. That's cool. That's awesome. Distinguishing between spirits or, or the discerning of spirits. This is given for various purposes as well. It may be used to judge or weigh a prophetic statement because a prophet truly a prophet, if it was a prophecy in a church setting, it is to be weighed by others in the church to know that if it lines up with Scripture. First of all, let me go back to that too. A prophetic word always, always, always lines up with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not from God. Just so you know that. God would never say something to you that doesn't line up with His Word. Somehow, somewhere in God's Word, it must line up. If it doesn't line up, run away from it. Run away from it. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, run away from it. Because there's a lot of good-intentioned people out there. There's a lot of religions out there that are just close enough. But if it doesn't line up with God's Word, if it doesn't glorify Jesus, if it doesn't say Jesus is Christ, then run away from it. Amen? Do not get sucked into a well-sounding faith that sounds close enough. No. If it doesn't say Jesus, it's not close enough. It's not good enough. It's got to talk about Christ. It's got to talk about Christ. Discerning spirits, to judge or weigh a prophetic statement helps us determine if the statements are from the Lord. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets are, have gone out into the world. Isn't that interesting, that we're to test the spirits? What are we testing them for? Tell me, what are we testing the spirits for? What? Validity? According, according to what? According to the Word of God. Amen. Not according to how it makes me feel. Not according to if it makes me feel good. No. Because truth doesn't always make me feel good, does it? No. Truth sometimes hurts. Truth sometimes goes right to the very, very point of the problem. And I will mask it with all the other kinds of symptoms. Truth is to the point. But we are to test every spirit so that we know, so that we can know that they're from God. It protects us from the deceptive spirit of the enemy in our work. See, the enemy is very subtle. The enemy doesn't come with, with blazing neon signs and with a big bullhorn saying, I'm here to deceive you. I'm here to deceive you. No, he doesn't do that. He comes very subtly in very gentle ways. And a discerning spirit is given to us by the Holy Spirit to warn us Deception's coming. Deception's coming. It's coming slowly. It's coming gently. It's coming subtly. And we're to be sensitive to that so that we can protect ourselves and protect those that we love. Every spirit-filled believer can trust God's Holy Spirit to give them this protection. And we need that. We must have that. Tongues and interpretations. We've spoken already a lot about tongues and interpretations, and I'm not going to take the time again today to go through all that. But I do want to make sure that we know that there is a difference between public use of tongues and private use of tongues. Last week, we encouraged those that had not spoken in tongues, that had been baptized with the Holy Spirit, to, to come and be baptized. And, and I still would encourage that for all of us, for all of us to, to operate in that personal prayer language of praying in the Spirit, 
praying the perfect will of God according to what the Spirit would put through my heart and through my life. Even though I don't understand the words, God does. He understands the language perfectly, and he's praying a perfect prayer through me through my private prayer language. That's a private use of tongues. However, there is a public use of tongues and a public use of interpretations that are not for everybody. Just so you know that. Don't get confused here. The private is for everybody. There is nobody excluded. That is for every believer. Every believer has the, has the gift, if they would reach out and receive it and accept it, to speak in tongues and of heavenly prayer language. But Paul's talking here in, this, in these list of gifts that we're talking about, a public use, and he says not all will speak in tongues, nor all will prophesy, or all will interpret. He had to give some direction in the church. Why? It wasn't because they, the gifts weren't being used. It's because they were being used to an extreme. So he had to bring some clarity to it. He had to bring some direction to it. So for those that don't operate in tongues and don't ha have an interpretation, don't worry about that. That's fine. But I, would I, but I would suggest that you aggressively ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and develop and develop a prayer language. Jackie, we're going to conclude. We're just going to, we're not even going to sing songs tonight. We're just going to conclude because it's already getting a little bit late here. But I would just like to conclude this, port, this, this, this discussion. Again, I don't think we can properly close this. I, I don't know how to close a conversation on the Holy Spirit. It's just impossible to close it. But what I will encourage you to do is seek the giver. We can spend too much time seeking the gifts at the expense of the giver. I know that when I receive a gift or when I receive something like a new cell phone or a new computer or whatever, I get excited about it when I first get it. And it ain't long and somebody's got, until somebody's got the 6S and a little bit bigger than mine, a little bit faster than mine, all of a sudden I'm not so excited about my gift anymore. Right? Come on. But if I'm really realizing what that gift is for, that gift is allowing me to talk to my wife, then I don't get disappointed in the gift anymore because I'm seeking, I'm using it for the right reason. I'm using it to communicate to those that I love. The phone's really nothing, right? So uh, the gifts that God gives us, let's not get bent on the gifts. Let's get bent on the giver, right? Let's seek the giver of all the gifts. And if we focus on him, I will tell you that you will never be dissatisfied. You will be dissatisfied with the gifts. As good as they are, you can get discontented, you can get frustrated, you can be disillusioned, you can be frustrated. But if you're seeking Jesus above all that and allow him to give you the gifts as you need to use them, you will never be frustrated in that. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the fullness of living for him is seeking the giver. So would you do that with me? Would you commit to me that we'll will desire the gifts but seek the giver. That yes, we will use the gifts as they're given, but our intent is to seek the giver of the gifts so that we then know how to use them properly. We never get tired of them anymore because we're using them in a proper way. We're building up the kingdom of God. We're glorifying Christ. We're saving those in the world around us. We're using our gifts to, to accentuate Jesus in us. Amen? And you can do that at home, you can do that on the job. You can do that at school. You don't have to be in church. 
to use the gifts. In fact, they're, they're most effective when you use them out of the church. Get them out in the workplace. That's when they're the most effective. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I know we've just dumped a lot of information in the last 20 or 30 minutes. And Lord, I just pray that we would glorify you, Jesus. Lord, that above all the things that are around us, that we would not be distracted by this world, that we would not be discouraged by the darkness and the gloominess of what's going on around us. But God, we would be encouraged because we know you're coming as soon. We know that it's just around the corner. And God, help us, help us, help us to train ourselves to learn how to be effective in this dark world by using the gifts that you've given us. And Lord, help us most to seek you, to seek you with all of our heart, to seek you unashamedly, to seek you without abandon, Lord, that we would just totally be in for you. And I pray for this body of people right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you will just give the gifts, that you will administer them properly in proper season and in a proper way. And I pray you would create a hunger in all of our hearts and lives that as we go throughout our days, that we're not content until next Sunday to get into the Word or content until next Sunday to worship, that we begin worshiping the, day, the moment we walk out of this building, that worship is constantly on our lips. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day today. Be blessed. Be blessed in Jesus' name.